Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I have personally struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. It's kind of been the bugaboo of my life. If you go to pastorstudy.org, you can see my article about my struggle. But because the Bible says homosexual behavior is a sin, I abstain from that and uh, don't get into that. I can't tell you how troubling it was that we now have homosexual marriage in all 50 states. And you could say, well, that was just the liberal Supreme Court forcing that on us. No, when that decision came down some time ago, 59% of Americans agreed with the Supreme Court decision. It gets worse. This is a Gallup poll now. Listen to these statistics. This is not the America I grew up in. 63% of Americans affirm gay relationships. 61% of Americans approve of having a baby out of wedlock. 68% believe in premarital sex. 64% affirm embryonic stem cell research where you destroy unborn life for experimentation. 56% of Americans affirm assisted suicide. 45% affirm abortion. Do you know that we've killed 56 million babies since 1973? Uh, and the question I have, what will God do to the United States of America? Again, go to pastorstudy.org. Upper left are all my Facebook articles. I wrote an article entitled, Will God Use Muslim Terrorists to Judge America? We're going to look at an Old Testament story where that's kind of what happened. Let me set this up. Northern Israel has been going after idols for many years. Finally, God has had enough. And in 722 B.C., he brings in the Assyrian army and they destroy northern Israel. Southern Israel, called Judah, didn't learn the message. And they, too, for the next hundreds of years, went after idols. So finally, after warning them, in 586 B.C., God brings in the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem and carry the Jews off into slavery for 70 years, 70 years of sorrow. Finally, at the end of the 70 years, God lets them go back home and rebuild the temple. Is something like that going to happen to the United States? I don't know, but would you take out your Bible, turn in the Old Testament to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for America. We are just going downhill at 150 miles an hour, and we would pray, God, that you would do whatever you have to to turn our nation back to you. And speak to us now, Lord, through the Bible. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Here we go. Second Chronicles chapter 36, starting at verse 11. This is 586 B.C. King Zedekiah of Israel, southern Israel, Judah, 
King Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke for the Lord. Here, here's the first lesson from this text. God warns first. Do you know that of all the events in the Old Testament, the one that is prophesied the most is the exile? the destruction of Jerusalem. In fact, 608 verses in 17 different Old Testament books predict Jerusalem will fall. So before it happens, God sends the prophets, here Jeremiah, to warn people. So let me ask you this question. Do you have a Jeremiah in your life? Maybe you've got somebody at work or a grandma or a godly parent and they're always trying to get you to the Lord. What I learned from this story, listen to people who warn you in the name of the Lord. You know what the problem with America is? We listen to Ellen, and we listen to The View, and Oprah, and liberal uh, media commentators. We don't listen to this anymore. The first lesson is, God warns us first. Something's going to happen. Verse 13. Zedekiah the king also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon, who had made him swear allegiance to God. But he, the king of Jerusalem, stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord his God. Verse 14, furthermore, all the officials of the priests, the Jews, and the people were very unfaithful following all the abominations of the nations. And they defiled the house of the Lord, that's the temple, which God had sanctified in Jerusalem. Here's the next lesson. A polluted house brings wrath. The beautiful temple that, that was built by Solomon, it was the showplace of Jerusalem. It's where they kept the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments. They, the Jews had turned that into a house for Baal and Asherah worship with temple prostitutes. So God had to judge them. A polluted house brings judgment. Let's ask this question. Has God's house in America, the church, become polluted? Listen to this. I walked into United Theological Seminary a few days ago. It's a radically liberal seminary run by the most liberal Protestant denomination, the United Church of Christ. It also trains Unitarian pastors all under the same roof, as if to say the Trinity does not matter. I picked up this official newsletter of United Theological Seminary. Here's a seminarian who wrote who, uh, an article about a seminarian. She never calls God Father because that's sexist. But she said that she attended a chapel service at United Theological Seminary where someone called Jesus Lord. And she found that language oppressive and it smacked of domination. If you can't call God your Father, if you can't call Jesus Lord, why do you call yourself a Christian? Then, another example of how the church is polluted in America. After that horrible Supreme Court decision some time ago, uh, Pastor Adams Phillips of Christ Church Portland wrote an article saying the Holy Spirit led the Supreme Court to affirm gay marriage. And his article is all about now the church needs to get on board because the Holy Spirit told him told him personally that gay, gay relationships are fine. Is that not dangerously close to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? 
Well, I'm a Lutheran. I'm not ELCA Lutheran anymore, but the ELCA Lutherans spoke out on this, some of them. And here's Pastor Jerry O'Neill, and he, he said about the Supreme Court decision, I am rejoicing with my LGBT friends today. To those who say, but don't you believe in the Bible? I answer, no, I don't. As our former presiding bishop, Mark Hansen of the ELCA said, and he's a very liberal bishop, quote, I don't believe in the Bible. I believe in the God revealed in the Bible. And then this pastor says, the Bible is not inerrant. It contains clear contradictions. I do not believe the few scripture texts that speak about same-sex relationships apply today. All right, again, ELCA Lutheran website, another example of pollution. The Bible teaches Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus said that, John 14, 6. Jesus talked about hell rather frequently. The question on the ELCA website is, does everybody go to heaven? Pastor Monica answers, God does not destroy the earth and save a select few. This is not the God who sent his only son not to condemn but to save. Again, not just a few, but the whole world will be saved. Well, that's not what Jesus said. A second pastor, Pastor David, answers the question, will all be saved? Quote, the question is whether the righteous will be resurrected or both the righteous and the wicked at Christ's return. And then his response is, he doesn't know. He's leaving it to the mystery of God. Have you read the Bible? Read Daniel 12. Of course there'll be a resurrection of the righteous and unrighteous. Read Jesus in John uh, chapter 5. Jesus said everyone will be raised, some to everlasting life, some to everlasting condemnation. But does Jesus matter to these pastors? The church has become polluted. And, and check it out for yourself, herchurch.org. There's a Lutheran church in San Francisco, I kid you not, where the woman pastor is encouraging her parishioners to worship Asherah, the Old Testament goddess that was forbidden. She wants you to worship that because that's the divine feminine. She's a feminist. Asherah? That's, that's why the Jews had their temple destroyed. Well, here's, here's my point. A polluted house brings wrath. And do you know the wrath of God has fallen on these liberal mainline Protestant denominations? Every year, these liberal denominations, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church in America, ELCA Lutherans, Presbyterian Church USA, now Disciples of Christ, they lose thousands of members every year. And it's the Bible-believing conservative churches that are growing. But you know what troubles me? Even the conservative churches won't take a stand. Do you know the main compliment we get for this TV show when people send in emails, letters, and money? Thank you, Pastor Brock, for taking a stand. Our pastor won't talk about these things. And let me tell you, after that Supreme Court decision on gay marriage, I went to two different churches that week. These are good churches. Neither pastor mentioned what the Supreme Court did. Not even in a prayer during the service. And I'm thinking, what planet are these pastors on? And you know why I don't think they said anything? They're afraid of offending some grandma who's got a gay grandson. I'm sorry, aren't we afraid of offending God now and then? Verse 15, 2 Chronicles 36, verse 15. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them, the Jews, again and again by his messengers, the prophets, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. That would be the temple. Um, therefore, 
he brought up against them, the Jews, the king of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or infirm. He gave them all into his hands, into the Babylonians' hands. Here's the next lesson. God means what he says. God said, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem if they don't repent. And in 586 BC, he destroyed Jerusalem. They had to be slaves for 70 years over in Babylon. God means what he says. You know, I don't know, and I'm, I'm making this up. But maybe King Zedekiah said, Oh, Jeremiah, you're being too judgmental. My God is a God of love. My God would never bring the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem. You know, uh, ease up, Jeremiah. And what happened? God brought in the Babylonians and destroyed Israel. You know, I will tell you this. <laughs> Overwhelmingly, the letters and the emails that I get are very positive. They, most people really like our show, but I get really awful emails too. And because I believe homosexual behavior is a sin, I'm filled with hate and I'm a bigot. And I respond to these people. I, I try to respond lovingly and humbly, and I say, it's out of love that we warn people. The Bible says this is a sin. Get into it and you won't be saved, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. It's out of love we warn people. Let's look at verse 18. All the articles of the house of God, the temple, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his officers, he, the king of Babylon, brought them all to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, that's the temple, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its fortified buildings with fire and destroyed all its valuable articles. That verse contains maybe the saddest verse in the Old Testament. Quote, they burned the house of God. Those words should cause a hush. The temple, where they kept the Ten Commandments, where they kept the Ark of the Covenant, where they sang the Psalms we have in the Old Testament, where they did the sacrifices, it was burned to the ground. And here's the next lesson. Past religion cannot save you. The Jews had a glorious past. Abraham, David, uh, the temple, uh, the sacrifices, uh, the Ten Commandments, and it all got burned to the ground because past religion can't save you. You need to present tense have a living relationship with the Lord because your past can't save you. Somebody told me they went to their uncle's funeral. Godless man, never went to church. But the Catholic priest who happened to be preaching this, this sermon put Uncle Joe in heaven because he was baptized as a baby. And this person was kind of angry, and she said, Pastor Brock, that's not right, is it? And I said, no, it is not. Your past religion, the fact you were baptized 50 years ago or you went forward to accept Christ at an evangelism meeting 30 years ago, if you don't have a present tense relationship with Christ, past religion can't save you. It didn't save the Jews, and it won't save you. And you know what? Past religion will not save the United States. We had a glorious past in the United States. But do you know what John Adams' founding father said of the Constitution? He said, quote, this Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. 
And his point was, this Constitution will not work if the people are not moral and religious. Well, have you noticed? The Constitution doesn't work anymore. Past religion will not save you, the Jews, me, or America. We need a present relationship with Christ. Look at verse 20. Those who had escaped from the sword of the Babylonians, he, the king of Babylon, carried away to Babylon, and they were servants to him and to his sons until the rule of the king of Persia. And for 70 years, the Jews had to stay as slaves in Babylon until God let them go back home. So here's, here's the next lesson. Eventually, you reap what you sow. Now, the Jews did not reap what they sow immediately. In fact, you know that for 400 years on and off, the Jews went after idols. Finally, 586 B.C., God says, enough, and they reaped what they sowed. I think God has been very patient with the United States, but we're going to reap what we sow. I mean, think of, uh, we're already there. Think of the high divorce rate in the United States, all the sexual diseases now in the United States. Think of... Uh, um, uh, some of the other things, uh, listen, the crime rate, recreational marijuana use now in some states, assisted suicide in some states, and uh, a failing court system. And when you can't distinguish the Christian church from the rest of society, the wrath of God has arrived. Get this. Get this. The state of Oregon has now ruled that a 15-year-old child who thinks he's a girl but he's a boy can get a sex change operation paid for by the state of Oregon and get this without parental consent. I mean, a lot of states you can't get your ears pierced if you're 15 without parents. In the state of Oregon, if you're 15 years old and you want to be sexually mutilated, the state of Oregon will pay for that and your parents can't say a thing. This is called reaping what we've sown. When we turn our back on God, things get crazy. Let's look at verse 21. This was to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, the 70 years, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. In other words, the Jews hadn't been keeping the Sabbath. When they're gone for 70 years, the land kept their Sabbath. Nobody was there. So here's the next lesson. God's wrath brings him glory. Now, this might sound cruel, but I will say this. Herpes glorifies God. Because herpes says, God says not to have sex outside of marriage. And see, he was right. <laughs> herpes glorifies God. Now, sad as this story is, one of the saddest stories of the Bible, it has a happy ending. Look at verse 22, where the Jews get to go back home after 70 years of slavery. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a new king, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, Jeremiah predicted they'd come home, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout his kingdom, covering Babylon, and also put it in writing, saying, quote, Thus says king of Persia, Cyrus, 
The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild the temple, which is in Judah. Therefore, uh, whoever, whoever is from his people, the Jews, may go up to Jerusalem, and may the Lord God be with them. And the Jews got to go back home, and they rebuilt the temple. So here's the last lesson. After judgment comes grace. God says, let's start over. You know, maybe you have herpes, and you wonder, well, is that all over for me? No, God still loves you. In fact, it was God's love that allowed you to get that, to wake you up and bring you to Christ. So if, you, if something horrible has happened because of your own sin, God still loves you. There's always mercy and grace after judgment. On this program years ago, we interviewed Joel Hallett. He got into the homosexual lifestyle, got AIDS, came out of it, came to Christ, and for years he had a wonderful ministry bringing people to Christ. He eventually died of AIDS, but... You know, no matter where you're at, if you'll come to Christ, he'll still use you for the kingdom. After judgment always comes grace. Well, I want to close with this and just ask you, before you go to bed tonight, would you pray for the United States? I never thought I would see the White House lit up in gay rainbow pride colors by the President of the United States, which he did after that horrible Supreme Court decision uh, uh, some time ago. And, and, you know, the, I'm a Lutheran. The largest Lutheran denomination in the world is not Germany or Norway or Sweden or Denmark or the United States. In fact, Lutheranism is shrinking in these countries. You know the largest Lutheran church in the world? It's a real Bible-believing, Christ-centered denomination in Ethiopia, in Africa. Seven million Lutherans in Ethiopia. And s someone asked an Ethiopian Lutheran, what can you teach us American Lutherans from Ethiopia? And the person said, the Christians in America need to learn to suffer. Well, I think it's coming. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. You know, Pastor Brock, in light of what you've just talked about, I guess I, the first question I want to ask you is, is America a Christian nation? Well, you know, I'm a conservative, Jackie, and a lot of conservative Christians say, yes, this is a Christian nation. I always think, really? I mean, I think you can make a, a, a case that the Founding Fathers overwhelmingly were Christians, and that's true, and that for our history, but today, Jackie, we kill one in four babies in the United States. We're the major producers of hardcore pornography for the world. Turn on TV and, and tell, watch it for five minutes and tell me this is a Christian nation. And the, the church attendance has gone quite down now in the United States. So, and if people say they're a Christian, they just don't go to church. Well, if you can't give God one hour a week, are you a Christian? So is America a Christian nation? I'd have to say no to that. So we've turned the corner. I think we have. Okay. Yeah. So when you're talking about like the, a Christian baker or a Christian florist, yeah. and are they required to provide their services for a homosexual uh, wedding? In some states they are. In fact, a Christian grandma who owned a bakery in Oregon, liberal Oregon again, 
Uh, she could not, in full conscience, bake a cake and two put two men on top of it. So uh, they find her big time, and she's lost her bakery. This is happening to uh, photographers and uh, uh, bakers for, for weddings. <sighs> Pastor Tom, should a Christian attend a homosexual wedding if they're invited? Jackie, I, was, I, I, I visited a church, and it's a good church, and he's a good pastor. And he got up and asked that question, and his basic response was, yes, to show support, you should go to that wedding. I made a beeline to him after church, and I said, I struggle with same-sex attraction. Why would you want to support people in a behavior that, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, is going to land them in hell? I wasn't quite that blunt, but I was pretty blunt. And I, Jackie, I said to him, because I love that couple, I would not attend. You know, so I, I don't get that. Okay. I think the answer is no. Lo right. Lovingly you say to your daughter, you know, honey, I love you, but because I believe that is a sinful behavior and I don't want you to go in that direction, I can't come to the wedding. I think you can lovingly say that. Okay, Pastor Brock, what denominations do perform homosexual weddings? Right. Officially, the Episcopal Church, the ELCA Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, the United Church of Christ, of course. And technically, the United Methodists aren't supposed to do it, but they're allowing it now. And uh, I think probably the Disciples of Christ also do it. So those are the bad churches. The churches that won't do it are the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the Evangelical Churches, the Baptists, uh, etc. The Catholics won't do it either. Okay, so you kind of just answered what I was going to ask <laughs> okay. you. Is that the denominations that still hold to the biblical values yeah. and beliefs then? Right. The, I mean, here's the thing about, uh, for instance, Presbyterians. There are good Presbyterian churches, like the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. But sadly, the big one, the PCUSA, is, is very liberal. Okay, strange question maybe, but can you be pro-choice and be a Christian? Yeah, can you believe that we should be freely able to abort babies and be a Christian? I will say this, Jackie. I think you can be confused on that and be a Christian. But, I mean, I'll give you a, well, I, we don't have time, but uh, everybody read Psalm 139 where God knits you together in your mother's womb. And to me, that settles it that abortion is a, a very evil thing. Do you see any signs that America might be turning back to God? I don't. I know God can do anything, but do you? I mean, I don't. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah, and everybody pray before you go to bed tonight for America. We want to thank you for being with us this week. Um, we appreciate all of your support, and if you want to see any of our other programs, right now you're seeing our website. Please check it out. You can send those programs to people or watch some of our older shows at any time. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're again, again, together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.